welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Yasser Abu Nasser, Senior Vice President of Product at Dwalla. Dwalla is a payments infrastructure company specifically specializing in account-to-account transfers. And we're going to get into what exactly that means and why it matters. And with that, there's my interview with Yasser. Yasser, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me over here. So Yasser Abu Nasser, tell us about Dwalla. So what Dwalla is, Dwalla is a modern payments platform that really becomes an engine that a lot of our fintechs or software companies or corporations, enterprises, large enterprises, they want to embed in their stacks because they actually have sophisticated A2A use cases, problems that they want to solve for. And that's why they embed us. We power A2A payments, but not just simple A2A payments. We actually power complex A2A payments as well. And that's really why people come to us. Uh, It's because of our solution. So we're going to jump into A2A payments and then the kind of complex use cases you have in a couple of minutes. But talk to me about the origin of the company. Where did it come? How did it come to be? Well, I wasn't here when that happened, you know, but Dwala was founded about 10 plus years ago by our founder, Ben Milne. And the idea that he had was like moving money should be simple. And this is like so much so complicated. I think he had an online store and he's he said just accepting credit cards and just the time and the delay of collecting, you know, getting, you know, settled and funded and 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 even the challenges that come with, you know, the cost behind it. He said, this is just way too complicated. So when Dwalo launched 10 plus years ago, they launched a consumer facing product that was really designed around, you know, it was, a, it was an app, you can download it. And it was about moving money very simply, doing simple ACH amongst peers or, or businesses. And the, the business kind of grew pretty well. They, they grew, you know, to about a million transactions doing about a billion in volume. But I think there was a realization real quick that consumer products was not Dwalla's best in breed. And Dwalla's best in breed was infrastructure and how they were building their infrastructure and their APIs. And there was a decision to make a pivot around 2016, where Dwalla focused on helping businesses get paid and pay out the necessary uh, use cases that where they have paid you know, payments uh, through a modern API, right? And that kind of, you know, shifted Dwalla and that's where Dwalla actually grew well beyond a billion in volume. I think today we're doing close to 60 billion in volume. Mm. All right. So essentially you're plumbing, right? You are the, you know, you're an API uh, channel for for moving money. So effectively you are the pipes that no consumer sees, but uh, alleviates frustration when it happens. So, okay, let's jump in. To the actual function. So account to account payment sounds pretty straightforward enough. I need to move money from one place to another. You know, anyone who's ever tried to move money between two bank accounts at different banks knows this pain. Sometimes even the pain of moving accounts between money between the same institution, which is just hysterical how bad that can be. But there are any number of other use cases in commercial applications. So talk to me about basically the use cases that you're seeing from the most simple to some of the more complex ones that that you uh, alluded to earlier. Yeah, the the most simple ones that we see are are where customers just want to make a payment, a bill payment, right? That's the most simple use case, right? And we we cover that all, all day long. The ones that really get interesting is where customers want to create kind of a wallet scenario. For example, you know, in wealth management, where you have to you you know you need the availability of funds real quick. 
to make you know investment decisions. And we see customers use us from those type of use cases really well where, where they can leverage us to pre-fund. And then when they're ready to make that decision, right, you know, to, to invest or, or to collect those funds or get in right away to make those type of calls, we really position them really well for those type of use cases to make those payments. It's we bring speed in the right time in the right place. So if it, it needs to be in you know, a same-day ACH type transaction, or it needs to be an RTP transaction. Those are the type of use cases that we see. Um, we also have a lot of customers that are trying to digital transform in different industries, for example, transportation. You know, believe it or not, every one of, of our vertical SaaS companies is trying to disrupt a certain industry that's had pain points or problems, especially around funding or positioning. Those are where the bottlenecks happen. And those things take, take time with the banks. A good example of our, one of our customers is Cargo Sprint. This fintech, their goal here was to kind of keep the flow of cargo coming off of, you know, the airplanes and now, mm -hmm. you know, to the freights as quick as possible. Um, and a lot of this stuff gets delayed with payments. You know, they found a great use case with RTP with us. And they're able to kind of pay their, their freights really quick and, and kind of remove those bottlenecks within that, that, that supply chain and keep things moving on, on, along real quickly. And it's just how they embed our solution and they're in their, their platform or product where they're able to kind of use these different use cases and, and keep things moving along really, really well. And I mean, this makes sense. I mean, the example you just gave, I got to think that there's got to be, you know, moving cargo off of, or making, moving cargo, possession of cargo, right? Like there's money to changing hands on delivery on any number of uh, cases, right? So eliminating the need for classic cash, for example, or basically I'm going to transmission you the money, but it's going to land in three days. Like that's not exactly something people are going to be eager to say yes to. Yeah, but that's, that's how the old systems were. And that's what's been happening. And there's a big delay there. And it's like you're starting to see disruption with, with how these different software solutions are saying, hey, how can I embed payments and really kind of you know differentiate and remove that bottleneck? And that's where you're starting to see that innovation, that granular digital transformation that we're bringing, we're bringing to the market. Another uh, use case that we see as well is people being really creative with helping those that are that are underbanked or are underprivileged and how they're able to leverage our platform to make cash flow readily available to those in those spaces. Um, you know, we have a cu customer called uh, Green. They're all about being able to give people lines of credit that, are, that, that just naturally, natively would not be able to get lines of credit. They're able to leverage good consumer decision based on their cash flow and, and habits. And they're able to leverage Dwala to make funds available for, for that individual at the register. But he says, hey, I need $500 now. I'm good for it. My behavior is good for it. They're able to leverage Dwala and RTP to get those funds to that person right away. And it's just amazing because it's just opening up so many different use cases that just would not be available through traditional credit cards, debit cards, or just trying to go to the bank or trying to get access to, to, to certain aspects where you just don't have good history. But you have good behavior. So effectively, it's kind of funny. You kind of exist for, well, for lack of a better term, exist for a problem that shouldn't be a problem, right? Like we shouldn't have to deal with this in this day and age. But as long as it does, and you know, for the record, it's going to exist for a long time because, unfortunately, uh, a lot of institutions have no incentive to fix this problem because, hey, they make a lot of money from fees, right? And, and using the old system that you're basically real-time payments or is is become the realm of private enterprise, unfortunately. But fortunately yeah. for you. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely helping us, you know, help position and innovate, you know, with other fintechs, and and that's where where we're excited about all the different use cases and, and industries around. I think you know we ran a report earlier, um, and I think we we see ourselves in like eighty different industries. It's just amazing of how many different people are realizing the opportunities to embed finance and finding that Dwala is kind of that opportunity, you know, is kind of that engine, that mm-hmm. enabler that's really helping us position and go to market. Yeah, I mean, it's um, th- this is a ongoing trend is the concept of embedded finance, right? You're finding financial opportunities, whether this be moving movement of money or financialization on, you know, things like buy now, pay later on very the simplest of sites. And even I had a transaction, that was $5 and I was offered a $1 per month for five months <laughs> financing, which was, um, you know, if I got a finance of $1 a month for $5, something, something's wrong. But that said, I mean, this is just an ongoing trend that I think you're you're definitely key to, to basically capitalize on. So give me some of the examples of the otter use cases that you never would have dreamt up that came up in your experience. Well, that's a good question. I'm always amazed when I hear how some of our, our customers use us. You know, we have wallet, they use us for cash advance for their customers. And that's a combination of, of, you know, for their drivers. It's a really interesting use case because they see, they kind of saw an opportunity to kind of, you know, work around the traditional brick and mortar, you know, cash advance places, Mm -hmm. but they kind of tackled the the gig workers. And the way they use us is essentially, they're able to give cash advances to their drivers and their drivers are able to kind of pay back those loans as well through our network, all through making some 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 decisions, right? Some financial decisions that they get access to from Plaid or others, right? On the behavior of those of those drivers, and and they leverage us uh, for both, um, you know, to send funds right to those to those drivers and to to receive payment back on those drivers, right? Those advances. We also see aspects where people use us from a facilitation perspective as well, where they have different users in their ecosystem and they want to see users, you know, they, they really are just a facilitation. A lot of our property management companies act in this way where they have landlords and they have tenants and they're really just using us from a facilitation person where this user wants to pay this this other user in our system and, and so forth. Yeah, so we just actually, simple function that makes perfect sense an actual landlord. Yeah, yep. Another other use cases are like uh, marketplaces where we have one of our customers is called Goat. They're in a position of selling sneakers, right? You have a pair of old sneakers you want to sell. You know, you're a seller. They they have a buyers on their network and they leverage us from that perspective of managing buyers and sellers and 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 managing those, those use cases as well. You know, it just goes on and on, but but we see us playing in so many different sophistications of being able to just either be in the disbursement piece or be in the payment acceptance piece or being in the facilitation piece. And we just they just keep going on and on and on. So the countless, countless use cases, and this is one of those arguments in favor of open banking is that, you know, when people, I get really frustrated when people who are reluctant to banks to basically let that data out, they're like, well, what are you going to do with it? It's like, Excuse me, like, what are people going to do with a fertile ground for ideas and innovation? I can't even begin to tell you what people will start to dream up. But, you know, it's like it's like saying to uh, to Steve Jobs when the App Store was opened up, well, like, we don't need the App Store. We can, you know, basically we can we can figure out everything everybody needs. No, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's a fertile ground for innovation. And frankly, you're already seeing the you're, you're one of the best arguments in favor of open banking I've seen in that you're already basically seeing that innovation happen in, in areas that no one would have thought. Whoa. Well, we like, in, in, and I love the way you brought this up, right? Open banking. We view ourselves as a leg 
in open banking, right? If you kind of look at it, open banking, there's three legs to it, right? You need the financial institutes, you need the data aggregators, and then you need the, the, the payment infrastructure. We are one of those legs. And how we work with the other two legs is really what creates that open banking magic yep. that happens there, right? And we yep. automatically work with all of them. And our, our dedication to that is our investment in building our secure exchange solution, which is like one of our key components of saying, hey, we know you have flexibility in all these different data aggregators that you want to use out there. But what we're doing here at Wall is we're saying, hey, we want to go ahead and, and be that payment service provider that we can actually leverage that data, make smart decisions, and actually get those payments to the financial institute. And what are the values and benefits that you get from open banking? Well, you get smart decisions, you get personalized finance to the individual, right? You get that precision and you're opening up financial opportunities that just that just would not exist in everyday type use cases because of that data. Because of the availability of that data and making those decisions on, on John's financial uh, uh, history, right? And transactions, right? You know, looking deep into your banking history or, or, or financial history and saying, hey, based on what I know about you, you're a pretty good guy. I trust you. I'm going to give you this amount of, you know, I'm going to minimize my risk and I'm going to control my risk and I'm going to give you some aspect, you know, some, some funding here or some capability or, or whatever it might be, the use case that's, that's trying, you know, the digital transformation that's trying to be created. But those type of personalized financial decisions are made in a split second. And we're able to kind of make that transaction, you know, unique. And it's it really does, it, it focuses on trans, specific transactions that become, you know, unique and personalized for that individual. And that's, that's the power of open banking. Excellent. Uh, agreed. And I think, frankly, I mean, even simple, simple things like being stable to program and direct money on a regular basis, right? Like the idea of being able to have your bank account, you know, your your payments, your income payments at your bank account, and then it gets directed to where it needs to be. You know, we already have that when it comes to paying our mortgages, maybe with our credit cards. Why not to everything else, right? Like we, yes, yeah. you can set up a monthly contribution, but what happens when that bonus hits that was intended to go to, originally planned to go to your retirement savings, right? Wouldn't it be nice if that was already when you agreed to basically do that, basically programmed in, so money hits and gone. So the the reality is, is that those kinds of payment rails and those kinds of innovations, I mean, you know, we can't use the old system. You know, open banking is not going to survive with batch processing at the end of day <laughs> it's not gonna work no. no it's you're definitely right it's not gonna work and the banks are just not best positioned especially when it comes to those apis and that you know and how they want to manage that innovation and so forth fintechs find a big struggle to work with banks because all the red tape that's that's the in, in, the, in the hoops that exist you know just for a fintech just to get a test account with a bank and it is bonkers it, it's bonkers. And, and, it, and what it does is it deters a lot of engineers and developers from kind of going down that path. And that's where where opportunities exist for enablers like us, like, like Dwala, right? Where we're kind of saying, hey, we understand this, but we're able to offset a lot of this red tape for you. We're able to get you to market faster and really kind of give you the experience that you want to create. And that's that's why 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 we're best positioned and where we said today. So this is where you are currently. What are you? Uh, what's what's in the roadmap uh, that you can share at least? You know, a lot of a lot of our our roadmap today has you know you've you've seen us focus on 
on, on faster payments, but as well as, you know, our building out our partnering ecosystem. And we're going to continue to do that, right? Because, you know, as we build our partner ecosystem out, right, we're looking at data aggregation and enrichment for us to bring other value adds to kind of help enrich the transaction or the decisions or the risk behind those transactions, right? And we're going to continue to do those type of, you know, aspects, right? You know, or those type of, you know, products and features. But we're also looking really big on what's next is fed now and RT, you know, you know, we have RTP out there, but it lacks ubiquity and it lacks the adoption has been kind of, you know, slow and, and, and people want to use it, but they find some struggles to use it. You know, we, we have one of our customers that tells their end users saying, hey, you have to bank with these, these you know, limited 200 banks for me to give you RTP, right? And he's, you know, he's able to influence his end users to do that, but that doesn't exist everywhere. And we have customers that, that, that had to resort to, to using some of our other rails, like, you know, same day ACH or, or push to debit because of the lack of ubiquity there. But now that we have Fed now, and the idea of how can we orchestrate some of that ubiquity with it, right? We want to be early adopters there, the okay. same way we were earlier adopters with RTP. So that's kind of some of the stuff that we're looking at as well. And we're also really excited about FedNow's coming out with its initial releases with RFP. Oh, boy, man. RFP is going to do some amazing things, right? Because now mm-hmm. what you're going to see... You know, and what we've learned from, you know, other markets that are way mature with instant payments and RFP like India, right? RFP becomes kind of that catalyst that just blows up everything, right? Mm -hmm. With instant payments. And we definitely want to be there for the ride. So for the user, for the listeners, define RFP. RFP means request for payment. Yeah. So the way that works is the seller will actually send a request for payment with the buyer. And that buyer will then give permission for that payment to happen. So it's if you look at instant payments, instant payments is all about push payments. But how do we create, you know, a pull scenario with that push payment? And that's that's kind of the use cases with RFP. Good stuff. And actually it's yeah, it's one of those things like again, we've all been envisioning for a long time. It's simple like Oh, you need money? Like, just wouldn't it be nice if we just popped up and said, Do you want to send Jason this amount? Oh, I owe him 20 bucks in poker last night. Boom, done. Right. Like that sort of that sort of authorization where it's just we again, we're not going to do that with batch processing at the end of day. No. And you and you and you don't want to do that with credit cards either, right? No. Because someone's gonna have someone's gonna have to pay that interchange. Exactly. Right. And that interchange, right? That's a lot, three percent, right? On some of the transactions. It adds up, right? And there's other there's there's other ways of doing this, right? Leveraging our banking infrastructure, re- putting in less intermediaries, less mouths to feed, and being able to kind of move our money, good funds, without having to go through you know these hoops and, and credit lines and risk and so forth. It's all about position. This is what fintech is about, right? It's about creating positions for everyone, right? And when you kind of remove those bottlenecks, right? Especially in digital transformation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any type of any type of position has risk involved with it, and if I can minimize risk and and kind of increase that position for a faster funding and so forth, man, it just releases everything and 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 everything kind of follows right right behind it. Excellent. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody. All right. On a positive note, the first one is: if you had one wish for something you could change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? Oh man, to me, the one change that I would be is trying to find consumer incentive for account-to-account payments. Right now, that's kind of 
that's mm. kind of the one thing that that I would say. I look at it and I say, man, how can we, you know, I can give you incentives for the merchants and for the businesses yeah. all day long. How do I incentivize the consumer, right? For him to kind of sit there and say, how do I make it easier for him to say, I want to do an account to account payments? You know, yes, we have Plaid. We're able to link the bank account, but is he that excited to kind of give up that cash flow right away or to use those different instant payment funds and yeah. so forth? I mean, it's an interesting one. You know, it's one of those things where the utility in itself, once you have it, you just never want to get going to want to relinquish it, right? And the incentive is almost it's it's a chicken next scenario because once once you get used to that kind of functionality. You'd be like, well, why would I want anything else? But it's the entire, how do you incentivize them to actually go after that type of functionality when they're super cozy with what they're doing currently? They're super cozy. And guess what they say, right? Every consumer says, well, I got, you know, you know, Visa and MasterCard, they kind of created consumer protection to kind of make it, you know, they created this huge, great wall of consumer protection that we have to figure out how to break. Well, because and it's, me, you know, but the thing is, as always, it'll, in many, most of the time, it becomes a catch all excuse for why things can't be done. It yes. becomes a catch all excuse that says, oh, no, we, um, no, 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 we can't do this because of consumer protection. Yet no one has taken five minutes to think about, oh, there's a net benefit here. How do we basically stick to the principles of consumer protection while simultaneously getting this done? Like, you know, it's the same frustration I typically have in, in any form yep. of digital transformation is the first the first answer to the unknown or to change is always no, almost universally. And that's a problem. So there's plenty of reasons and plenty of um, you know, it just it's really it's where's the incentive to make people stop and think and actually yeah. make them actually try to find the answer as opposed to dismissing the change. Yeah. And, and to me, I think you know. We've seen this this aspect of Venmo and and Zelle, right? Where it's like, okay, we have consumers using, you know, they are creating this A to A type, peer to peer type transaction. But how do I move it from peer to peer to C to B? That's the challenge because now that's going to be really interesting, right? You know, how people, they want to make these, you know, obviously the- I mean, we already have precedent for this to some degree in China, right? Like WeChat, it's it's a pretty pretty sizable business in this regard. And yeah, you're right. In in North America, we don't have people, you know, standardized Venmo payment rails. I mean, in Canada, it's even more ridiculous because the banks foresaw the wave that Venmo was going to do. So they got rid of their interact account transfers between between, uh, accounts fees and made it free so that killed that business model right and and so so it's it's and frankly a lot of accounting systems like the systems themselves are not set up to collect the information necessary for a transaction from b to c right like i need to be able to map this to an invoice uh the payment just just shows up as cash and i don't I, i might know who sent it and that's basically it yeah so it there's definitely opportunity there from infrastructure there's definitely opportunity but i think it's like that's the nut to crack is the consumer incentives and kind of sitting there saying, how do we position that consumer incentive in that 8A window, right? Where, you know, especially when open banking is a choice in the United States, right? It's not regul- it's not regulated and, and pushed down as you start seeing in other regions, which has really kind of positioned well 8A across, yeah. you know, you know, other like in Europe and so forth, right? The fact that open banking is regulated has really pushed a lot of innovation in 808. And here yep. you see it, you know, because of that consumer piece, that's the nut to crack. Yeah. And I would, I would say though, again, this has come up the podcast multiple times. I'm grateful for the difference in approach, right? You have a free market approach in the US, you have a regulated approach yep. in, the, in, the, in Europe, and the rest of us get to sit back and watch what works on both of them, right? And, um, you know, there's, there's definite merits to both. 
quite honestly. And there's definite innovation. There All right. So second question for you, because that first one went long. What's been the biggest challenge uh, in getting the company to where it is today, to your knowledge? I want to say the biggest challenge for us today, that's a probably good question. I would say it's with our FI partners, right? It's getting the, you know, it's getting our FIs to actually, you know, open up their roadmaps a lot faster. We're hungry, we're thirsty for these type of solutions, but there's a lot of lobbying and waiting and being on councils and so forth, right? For the Fed now, for RTP, for additional windows on same day, for us to get higher volumes, you know, getting same day ECH to kind of add more larger transaction tickets and so forth. Like those are the things that that I would say have kind of been maybe a little bit of that hurdle for, for Guala, right? So as we get these FI partners to kind of open up and invest in their roadmaps, right? We can bring those features and functions a lot faster to market and really open up other use cases and other capabilities. Yeah, I hear you. So amazing. The ones who benefit the most are the ones who are giving you the challenge. The last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last one again, it's just everybody wants to change, but no, everyone wants to change, but no one wants to change. Last one. Uh, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you uh, getting up every morning to keep on fighting the good fight? Oh, man. I want to say it's just the fact that, you know, it's just the it's just the endless possibilities with eight oh eight payments, right? That's what gets me excited and kind of really coming in every day and and seeing you know how the market has has really been trending and shifting, especially in the last year with bringing more data and insights that you see across you know identity and across transaction behavior and all the different use cases, how we can use that data and become more data led and more data science driven. Those are the things that, that I wake up and I think about, right? Saying, hey man, would it, you know, like how awesome would it be if just, you know, my system was smart enough to know what was best for me? And that's that's kind of innovation right there, right? Where making me make less of that decision and letting my infrastructure make more of that decision. Um, and making that adoption easier. That's where where I see fintech and product innovation going. And that's where, where I want to wake up and, and tackle every day. Well, keep it up. Yasser, thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. All right. Hey, thank you. This was fun. I love talking about this stuff. I right, looking Excellent. forward to the next coffee chat. Excellent. So that was my interview with Yasser Abu Nasser of Douala. Hope you enjoyed that. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever is your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.